Tom Hardy and the prop lobster. <laughs> and the cameras weren't even rolling. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, he just loves the taste of resin and plastic. I mean, I've had it on good authority. Isn't it just great when actors get so absorbed in things, they do stupid shit and people just let them? <clears throat> Is it? No, it isn't. But we still fucking celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, weird that, isn't it? Do you, think, like do you think? Do you think we have to do that together? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think we should actually do that? Heap false praise onto actors for the littlest things because if we don't, they try and find other avenues and run for London mayor. <laughs> no, you only have to heap false praise on them so they don't run for London mayor if you're their wife. Uh, whatever Ooh. you do, don't divorce them. Um, did you Did you so... hear the story that uh, this week Lawrence Fox said in an interview? This was pre the actual results that one of his kids came to him because obviously they like visit they stay with him every weekend or whatever one of his kids came to him and said uh, uh mummy's voting for such a body and it's like someone else who's like Sadiq Khan or whatever oh Lawrence Fox went okay <laughs> it's like why would the kid say that unless their mum Billy Piper went tell your dad <laughs> that I am not voting for him <laughs> just, just let him know like no, <clears throat> he's a cunt. Um, he's a big old cunt. Uh, speaking of big old cunts, hello you. Hello, you're listening you. to Big Damn Cast, nerdy news, geeky gossip, just shit that comes out of our mouths. I'm Chris, verbal diarrhea Johnson, and I am Matthew, verbal constipation Watson. Oh, frog in the throat. Oh. At least it ain't dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> the bloody flux. <laughs> what I love about this is we're only three minutes in and yet we've said um, Lawrence Fox and dysentery. Uh, and I think, if anything, there's never been a more apt pairing of descriptives. No, no. It's good, good, Joined uh... in holy matrimony! <laughs> <clears throat> oh, well, it's it's another week. It's been another it is. week of, not, Things. of nothing, really. Yeah, but, I mean, to, to be fair, we are recording this on Monday the 10th, so yeah. maybe it's been a week of something. Maybe, maybe it's been an incredible week. Maybe there's a week coming up that Can we're going to skip entirely. <laughs> Can you believe that on Wednesday the 12th they released Morbius in its entirety onto Netflix? <laughs> and you don't even need to be a subscriber, you just go to netflix.co.uk and it plays. They give you the code. <laughs> they they, they they're giving it to you, the people. The people, you know? the people demanded Morbius, and Netflix have delivered. <laughs> um, oh god! I hope that prediction does and doesn't come true. Yeah, we'll be speaking more about Sony's. Yeah, we'll be speaking more about Sony's Marvel shit soon. Um, but first, uh, first, first, little heads up. Uh, it's our fifth anniversary soon. Yeah. Uh, we've been happily married five years. Yeah. Um, where did we get married? Can you remember? When or where did you say? Where, when, where did we get married? Well, we know when. It was five years ago. Yeah, uh, where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling that we did it on holiday, but nowhere expensive. It was in the back alley of a kebab shop. Near Prestatin. In, in Basildon. Oh, Mmm, uh, <laughs> sunny Basildon. Yeah. And it was three we in the in, morning. We got engaged that same night. You'd slip, you'd slip the ring <laughs> into my Donna meat and chips. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. And then you choked on it. And I had yeah. to give you the Heimlich maneuver. You did. And then I kept giving you the Heimlich maneuver. Mm, long after I <laughs> long after, it out. Just because I, just because I enjoyed the motion. Um, you like the feeling <laughs> of the struggle. Look, friction in the right places. Uh, <laughs> so yeah that magical night Phil. was nearly five years ago mm. and as a result uh we we'd, we'd, we'd like some birthday cards please yeah, so please. uh if you want to send in missives we're giving you a heads up because a few weeks away it's episode 258 is our fifth birthday uh and you know what that means it's usually a special occasion we usually do something a bit diff um so be diff with us if be you want to send stuff in 
Now's the time. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Can you quite believe you're still listening to this? If so, let us know. You can also tweet stuff to us at BigDamnCast. Or, 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 chuck us shekels, keep lights on. Patreon.com slash BigDamnCast. That helps. Yeah, it? No way. does help. does help. Uh, keep an eye on the socials to find out what the fuck we'll be doing. Fuck. I don't see what the, I don't see what the fuck it's got to do with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's in a few weeks' time. But uh, we've had an email in because uh, last week we posed a question saying, uh, Oi! Oi! Pandemic's nearly... Well, it's not gone, as it? it'll never go away, really. But, like, the lockdowns are easing and the Oi. tears, they be greasing. Pandemic! No! <laughs> <laughs> Where's Harry Enfield when you need him? Well... <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, not shitting out another subpar sketch show on BBC One. But um, oh god! As, well, well, <laughs> as we're recording this, Inside Number Nine starts a new series at some point while we're on mic. So, uh, what did we think of it? I thought it was great. I like the bit where everyone exploded. I thought it was uh, insert reaction here, and I was Number totally nine. insert reaction here by the. Insert moment here. Ah! When, yeah, it was great. It was great. You're such it, a shill. Or was it not great? I don't know. It would have been brilliant. Let's be let's be honest. But I'm um, such a corporate shill. But we wouldn't be going inside post-pandemic. The idea is, we asked you last week, where would you go if you could pick a fictional location? Where the fuck would you go? Um, I have been blessed with mental images mm. since last week of you trying to fit into a pub in Hobbiton. I can't hey. get the mental image out of my head. I just love the idea of you just having to crouch so far that you're basically on bended knee just to lean in and go, I, yeah, uh, three flagons of ale. Um, I'll go. We're, we're at the table just over there. Can't miss us. I'm the guy who's two foot taller than the rest of you. Literally cannot miss us. <laughs> I, I'd go down on bended knee for a half at the Green Dragon. I tell you what. Um... <laughs> we're a bit of the old shandy. <laughs> Well, uh, Cleo got in touch and said, hey, hey, Cleo, hey, said, hey, my perfect hey. holiday would be my perfect Sunday. Uh, she says, hello, big damn boys once more. Just wanted to give you my thoughts on the recent which fictional location you would love to visit post pandemic question. And my answer would have to be the Paradise Island of Themyscira. Uh, on one hand. You've got the gorgeous flora and fauna, amazing architecture, fantastic artwork and culture, exhilarating Mm -hmm. sports featuring the best of the best trying to outwit each other in an arena of mortal combat. With a C, (laughs) not a K. Because even though Warner Brothers owns the rights to both. Uh, And on the (laughs) other hand, you've got the seven to nine foot tall muscled warrior women who are all gorgeous, amazing, fantastic and exhilarating. My gay ass will be very happy there. (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting on a white sandy beach somewhere undisclosed, Cleo. Well, thank you, Cleo, and you cannot say fairer than that. I mean, you could. Like, we could pop along as well at some point. That'd be fair. Yeah. Come along, TripAdvisor style. Like, we'd show up and rate the place. I I don't think we'd have as much fun there, though. We probably also would be killed the moment we set foot on the island. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Diana would have to be there to intervene for lead plot and character shenanigans to allow us to live like I, she'd have to I be think... there to be like leave these men be why have you arrived you in trouble we're like now nah, we just wow. there's an all-inclusive yeah <laughs> we wanted to go on the club 1830 but i'm 33 so it's more like club 30 to 50 <laughs> just check in is this Themyscira like the one in the movies? In the movies. Or is, it, or is it like the one in that fucking awful Grant Morrison Earth One book? Because if it's like that, we're going to go. Because it looks real pretty, but like we're going to be murdered within 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd like to leave. Um, I don't want to be murdered within 10 minutes. Themyscira is great. Um, That's a real good shout. Hmm. Well, I hear it's great. I've never been and I'll never go. So I'll be, well, as you say, we'll be executed on arrival. Um, then again, some people would take one look at Wonder Woman and be like, oh, I'd let her stomp on my skull. So maybe that's the dream destination. Maybe we're missing no, a trick. No, you're confusing Wonder Woman <laughs> with Lady Dimitrescu. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Village. That came out this past it week. It did come out. And neither of us have played it. Nope, because I do not have time. What's um, your review? My review of Resident Evil Village. It's yeah. a video game. Ah, uh, I really like the bit where insert name of boss here turns mm. into insert name of inevitable giant tendril beast here. <laughs> I can't believe they had a large eyeball in their insert part of body where eyeball doesn't usually go. There's always a large eyeball where you least expect it. Oh, what is the betting? Yeah, or is there? Or, well, or is there? Or you, do you most expect see. it there? Well, um, because you've played a Resident betting? Evil game before. <laughs> what's the betting that all these like European horror creatures, like werewolves and that, are just going to be like results of a virus or a goo? I don't know. From what I've heard, it takes some twists. It takes some turns. Okay, because but then again, it might come back to the weird resident evil mythology in that who fucking knows at this point i've heard that jill valentine shows up but she falls into lady demister screws cleavage and it makes <laughs> a... she just she plummets in there and because she's so big and they're so bountiful uh she sort of sinks in like quicksand and it creates a jill sandwich it's like it's like that bit in akira where oh, oh okay <laughs> where no, do go on, paint a picture for us. Where he's where <laughs> Tetsuo's growing all giant and he crushes his poor girlfriend in his giant crushing in his giant growing body. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's gonna be like that bit in it's gonna be like that bit in Akira. Be like the bit in Planet of the Ood where that bloke falls into the giant into brain. Into the giant brain. And into he just sort of brain. Yeah, slips that. into the middle. God, remember Planet of the Ood? I do. I watched it this week. First time <laughs> in forever. It's really it's pretty good. The Partners in Crime, Doctor Who, Series 4. Oh, Catherine Tate, David Tennant, having japes and scrapes. Isn't this hilarious with a bit of subtle body horror, but mostly hilarious out we having a girl time? Immediately followed by two episodes that are like, humans are shit. I mean, they are. Everything's shit. The world is is shit and you are letting people die. It is and they are. Like, (laughs) it is and we are. Also. Um, Yeah. It's like, I was watching Pfizer Pompeii looking at every character that wasn't the central family going... You'll be dead by the end of this. You'll be dead by the end of this. You'll be dead by the end of this. Hello, Karen Gillan. You'll be dead by the end of this. You'll be dead by the end of this. You'll be dead by the... It's bloody morbid. Um, the Sontarans are going to feel like light comic relief by the time they rock up. And yeah. that's before they get turned into light comic relief immediately after this story. As everything eventually does in, in Doctor Who, it gets turned into light comic relief or queer baiting. Sometimes both. You um, either die a hero or live long enough to become a light comic relief you either, or queer bait character. You either die a hero or you live long enough to become the Paternoster gang. Um, speaking of things that we ah. should let die... Uh, the trailer came out for Venom Let There Be Carnage. Oh, fuck. I'll, I'm going to tell you, I was watching I was watching this trailer with uh, a gleeful grin on my face because I was watching it and thinking they've just they've just doubled down on everything that didn't work about the first one. Yeah. They've just gone harder on the things yeah. that were really bad. Yeah. <laughs> they... Yeah. <laughs> it's giving me a cough. That's how bad it was. Um, it's making me physically sick. Uh, no, it's... Uh, they've... <laughs> Avi Arad, bless his little cotton money socks, he... <laughs> Avi Arad. Avi Arad. <laughs> That's never going to sync up in the edit. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> got to wait until we're back in person to do that one. Um... <laughs> Fuck me, I made a run from the old back there. Um, <laughs> so, ex-head of Toy Biz, um, ex-owner of Marvel, exec producer who works on all of Sony's and Marvel's live-action stuff uh, from the 2000s through to the late 2000s. Talentless, tasteless, money-grubbing bastard, Avi Arad. Lunchbox-loving, um, action-figure-fondling, beanie-spewing Avi Arad. He watched Venom which he also produced and went, you know what? I'm really proud of this. I'm so proud of this. I'm going to get someone to do a sequel and I'm going to get this to do more of all the things I liked about it. And if there's anything you should learn about Avi Arad's relationship to previous movie projects, 
in previous media projects is that if it's something that Avi Arad likes, it's probably bad. Mm. So they yeah. just double down on the bad. They've doubled down on the um, Venom's weird internal monologue with Tom Hardy doing a silly voice, which, you know, I, I, I can get behind Tom Hardy doing a silly voice. I'm a Bane voice apologist, but hey, here we go. Uh, di- <laughs> it helps Bane if, voice apologist. It helps if the dialogue's, you know, half decent. Um, what do you think is Tom Hardy's uh, stupidest accent? Oh, Daft's voice. Oh. Mine's his attempt at being Australian in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, but he doesn't do it very often, so it works. <laughs> but he also gave us a glorious meme in the form of, that's bait. Yeah. So we'll give him that. <laughs> Don't be bad-mouthing Fury Road in my presence, Al. Oh, God, no. all over you. Oh, um, Tom Hardy. I like Tom Hardy a lot, but... In spite sometimes, of himself. <laughs> sometimes you've got to say to Tom Hardy... No, we are not going to build you a prop lobster last minute so no. you can eat a lobster in this scene. We've no. already got permissions for you to get in the tank briefly, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> they've they've doubled down on the Venom interaction. Uh, the, Double the, down. That's a yeah. film I think I'd probably enjoy Double. more than this. Fucking <laughs> hell. They've doubled down on the Mrs. Chen stuff. Yeah, she's a freaking recurring character now. The the, the, the owner of the of the, the convenience store. The hilarious frequents. gag of threatening to eat people. I think what happened is she she threatened to tell people not that he was venom after the last scene of the first film, but threatened to tell people about his awful turd in the wind line. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of venom apologists on Twitter today as this trailer launched saying no but if you if you don't say that this if you say that this isn't what Venom's like read a comic and it's like motherfucker I've <laughs> read slash suffered through Venom's solo series from the late 80s early 90s they ain't they ain't good they are not good Lethal Protector is not good none of these miniseries are good I like Venom Venom also has shit comic books. I don't particularly like Venom. His so. comic books are shit. Where is he best used? Uh, let me think. Daniel Wade's Venom series from the late 2000s, which is basically just what if the thing, but with Venom. That works really well because it's a mini series that is a horror film that just happens to use the symbiote and then superheroes show up in the last half and it gets interesting. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Bad. And it's got really interesting artwork. That's fine. Um, Matt Gargan becoming Venom as part of Norman Osborn's uh, uh, Dark Reign, that was interesting because you actually had a Venom who was just a flat out villain and that was kind of scary because everyone thought he was a hero but he was a villain and then the last the second and only time he's been genuinely brilliant is when he was Agent Venom where it was Flash Thompson as Venom because it was an interesting story it was Blue, Blue Beetle but military and it was cool and I liked it the rest of the time, Venom only works if he's in opposition to Spider-Man. That's where he's interesting. He's a, he's the most dark mirror you could ever get of a superhero. Mm. Like, he's Spider-Man's shadow. Like, he's, he's, he's a monstrous version of Spider-Man. Great. On his own, with no attachment to Spider-Man whatsoever, I couldn't give a flying fuck. No. I gave the film a chance. We had a laugh. We were mostly subject to the horrid experiment that was being taken to see it by Dad, John, and Billy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then having to dissect it it's, with them. It's a bit like <laughs> having a Joker film without battle. Oh, that's also <laughs> a thing that happened for some reason. Oh, no. It's just, oh, for fuck's sake. And it's then to like double having down. a Morbius film without Spider. Oh, oh wait. Oh, wait. But then to double down, again, a better film than Venom, to double down, because you at least enjoy it, to double down on it. We've talked, potted history, we've talked about this in detail before. Look for any episode with Venom as a thumbnail, and we have talked about this before. But for those at the back, or who've joined us since 2018... Avi Arad was a man who owned Toy Biz. When Marvel was going bankrupt, Toy Biz was one of the companies that helped dig them out of the shit by buying like big shares of Marvel. Meaning that Avi Arad, man in charge of action figures, also made executive decisions on what books would be published and what characters would be prioritized because then they could make merchandise of those characters and it would sell well 
like it already had been. Venom was a thing. Kids loved Venom. He was extreme and scary. So they did more Venom. Then they started doing even more Venom. By which I mean making more characters that were shitter versions of Venom. Phage. Scream. Riot. Etc. And that eventually led to Carnage. A bit of a fan favourite character because he was cool to look at. That's it. Carnage is cool to look at and that is it. Can writers make him interesting? Sure. Some have done great work with Carnage. But he looks interesting and that's it. Yeah. The most interesting thing, the the evidence with Carnage. Sorry, Carnage action figure on my shelf that might be getting angry, but you look cool. That's it. The most interesting thing, the evidence with Carnage was having the sentry tear him in half and throw him into the (gasps) sun. Oh my God, that was amazing. (laughs) Like, that's the most interesting thing I've done with him. So, so cool. That was so fucking cool. Because it really, it was, again, it was that setup of Carnage is legit really dangerous. He's a serial killer with with a symbiote. What are we ever going to do to... Oh, that guy just took him into space (laughs) and then ripped him in half and let his two halves just float off into the ether. I'm scared of Bob now. Yeah. (laughs) Bob is scary. And it worked. It worked around that time. It, it, It did what it needed to do. Um... Can Venom and Carnage be interesting? Yes, give them to a good writer. Good writers could do great things with these characters, but they work so much better when in opposition to their mirror. Venom works better when he is against Spider-Man. Carnage works better when you are playing him off of a hero who is fucking disgusted by the lengths at which Carnage is willing to go to hurt and maim and harm people. Venom and Carnage... It's fun to draw them punching each other. But there's no polar opposite. They're the same fucking character, really. Like, visually, the shorthand of a movie, they're the same character. You are just going to have two CGI blobs punching each other in the last 20 minutes of this film. One's red and one's black. Yeah. As exemplified by the first movie, with Riot. Um, Yeah, that that fight at the end is, is a bit of a... It's like it's a bit. Oh, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Because now, now the interesting angle here is Andy Circus is the director of this one. Yes, that's someone that's something who can, this has got going for it. Yeah, balanced visual effects has an in in depth and intimate knowledge of merging visual effects with a performance to create something unique. Um, but but we see carnage in this trailer. My inner 11-year-old went, oh, yeah, we're going to see Carnage in this trailer. We're going to see Carnage in live action. And then I saw him, and my inner 30-year-old went, yep, and it's just a CGI fucking blob screaming. Because that's all it ever will be. Yep. That's all it ever can be. Um, so what's going to happen at the end? Two CGI blobs are going to punch each other. But that happens in loads of films, that uh, you might say. Yeah, but usually the CGI blobs don't look exactly the same as each other. And also, usually the CGI blobs are based on characters that are the, the, the least mildly interesting. Whereas, mm. like, yeah. I this, just... this, it, this gives me the same energy as a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Yeah. Although... Li- like those, it is kind of self-aware in some respects. Like yeah. Like, the, the, the dumb humour is there. Yeah. Um, I mean, this trailer opens... With a really dumb humor sequence. Yeah. I mean, humor is a strong word. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's cashing in on on the one takeaway from the last one that has really stuck around, which is the fandom that either loved it genuinely or ironically when it came to the fact that Venom and the Venom symbiote, that for some reason is called Venom, and, (laughs) and Eddie Brock, like the two of them were basically a sitcom couple and do you know what I mean like they, they were a rom-com they were a rom-com couple they were a sitcom couple there was the weird bickering and the weird flirting and it was all very hammy and ridiculous and that was like okay that's interesting sure all right I mean they, they're doing minutes, more of that yeah they're doing like, more of that but it also looks like Eddie wishes that Eddie Brock in the comics for the majority of his time as Venom didn't walk around going fucking hate this thing inside me god it's a nuisance god it gets mm. on my tits um do you know what's happened here this isn't venom it's toxin yeah 
the spawn of carnage from yeah. debuted in 2004's Venom vs. Carnage miniseries. Which again, y'all remember, y'all who remember it, remember it because it looked great because it was the first time they'd given Clayton Crane like every page and gone, hey, illustrate a four issue miniseries. And he went, okay. Um, and he draws good symbiote. He gives good symbiote, does Clayton Crane. He gives tasty symbiote. But like, uh, and he gives great Ghost Rider. We talked about that last week. But he, um, yeah, he, he did it. And in it, Carnage spawns a symbiote called Toxin that merges with a police officer. And then there's a mini series with Toxin. And that's like the extent of time we spend with that version of Toxin. Because later on, they're like, oh, yeah, he was killed off screen. But now Eddie Brock is going to use the Toxin symbiote. Like, Wait, what? Um, but what made Toxin interesting uh, was the fact that Razor Fist is in the Toxin miniseries. Did you know? <laughs> going, sure. back, going back to Razor Fist. Sure. Um, uh, in fact, he's the main villain of that miniseries. Uh, Toxin... More Razor Fist, please. They tried to make it interesting because the relationship was this guy is a cop with a wife and a baby and he now has this monster living inside him. But that monster's just been born. So it's a child. Like, it's hyperactive and giddy and, mm. and doesn't quite know how to behave. So it's about him trying to sort of teach it and tame it while secretly wondering if he can get it removed from himself. Yeah. Um, but also that fighting thing of, well, we don't, we can't get the warrant to go in there, but I know that that's the... Right, fine. Well, I guess Toxin will just have to break in later on. And it's that whole thing of him going, oh, maybe this is... Maybe vigilantism is what I should be doing because I'm actually making a difference. But also the thing I'm using is a loaded gun with its own brain that also likes to eat fingers. So maybe... Do you know what I mean? It's like, there was an interesting take there. They've just... This is what the movie Venom is. It's It's Eddie going... Fucking hell, while this thing sings songs and cooks him breakfast. You're like, what is going on? What is happening? Why is this happening? Why are there chickens in his apartment? That's a good question. There's two live chickens in his apartment. I guess he keeps them around for the eggs. But why? Because it's hard to get fresh eggs in New York. I don't fucking know. No, no, he's in San Francisco. And we know he's in San Francisco because there's a fucking Daily Bugle West Coast edition being held by Stephen Graham's character, the detective character. I mean, let's let's take a moment for Stephen Graham. Yeah. We know he's going to be entertaining because he's Stephen Graham. It's Stephen Graham. There it is. He's a good guy. Good guy. Um, um, yeah, it, it's he's reading Daily Bugle West Coast edition. Uh, the Morbius set photos that leaked last week from the Manchester filming and this confirmed that the Daily Bugle is in Morbius and Venom 2. And is using the exact same graphics that were used in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. I mean, why not? Sure. I mean, sure. Does that mean they're set in the same unit? Well, uh, I mean, why, why would there be two Venoms? Like, why would there, Why would there be two Venoms? But they made a second one, so I guess there's two. Oh, right, you didn't mean movie. Oh, there's yeah. Hey, yeah. Shriek, Shriek is also in this trailer. I didn't know she was in it. But yeah. I guess they're doubling down on the early 90s Spider-Man villains that were involved in Maximum Carnage. Oh, I mean, like, they, so. how many Carnage stories can you name? Like, Maximum Carnage. Uh, Carnage USA. Um, right, imagine you're someone who superior doesn't... Superior Carnage. Imagine uh, you're someone who doesn't read comics. Hmm? Oh. Uh, how, many, how, many, how many Carnage stories can you name? I don't know what a carnage is. <laughs> Where are my children? I <laughs> Did you take my children? Yes, I have taken your children. Um, ah, taken. Do with them what you will. No. Just leave me my wallet. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Carnage? Um, so... Oh, oh, have you noticed how clearly fucking ashamed they were of that carrot top wig? Oh, yeah, that's gone. That's, that's gone. so funny. Oh, my God, Woody Harrelson. Because, again, the trailer treats it like you all know that these two have a relationship. It's weird, isn't it? It's, it's like, I've missed strange. you, Eddie. Hi, Eddie, how are you doing, Eddie? And it's like, what? Unless someone was, like, diligent slash foolish enough to stick around after the credits of the first movie diligent they'll have no fucking clue foolish. who woody harrelson's character is like uh, yeah it's just like what this is weird 
Um, I, I like how this is lo- relocating daily bu- part of the Daily Bugle and the Ravencroft Institute to the West Coast because they're like, well, we can't do New York because we don't want to contradict the MCU. But, guys, just fucking be your own universe and piss off and leave Spider-Man alone. Yeah, that'd be nice. <clears throat> I mean, it won't make sense. Half your <laughs> villains are only interesting if Spider-Man's a part of their story. But, you know, we'll make it work. Sorry, was there carnage on your end just It was carnage on my end. I just got accidentally headbutted by by Kanisha. He just coming to say hello. (laughs) Thanks for that. Gentle listener, I just just saw this head fly into frame and butt Matt's head gently. (laughs) It was preferable... it was preferable to watching Venom. Um, That's true. So there we go. That's true. Uh, That's it's probably true. preferable to Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh, fuck it. Let there be. Let there be carnage. They. Why? Why? Why let be- there be carnage? That's because not a thing Avi people Arad say. People don't Avi say Arad. let there be carnage. That's Avi not a Arad phrase. Loved Venom so much because he sold action figures and T-shirts and lunchboxes that he forced Venom into everything, good or bad, good and bad. Venom is in the opening title sequence of the Spidey 90s animated series, despite not rocking up like at the beginning. Venom, Venom drives is... a truck in the 90s animated action series. Yes, he does. Give him the thumbs up or driving a truck. Venom <laughs> appears in season one of Spectacular Spider-Man. Luckily, that show had some fucking brilliant writers and they made it work. But he was the finale of season one and like the through line plot of the first season. Yeah. Despite being a threat that any incarnation of Spidey should really face a bit later into their career because you need them to know their shit for this to be a danger, to be a threat. Because, of course, a kid would be under under siege from a giant monster alien man with teeth. Like, of course they'd you be would, in trouble. You? you would. So, older Peter, is it's a, makes Venom more threatening if more experienced Peter's like, I have no idea how to deal with this. Huh. How? What the fuck am I meant to do? Like, it's that's more scary. But, yeah, Spectacular Spider-Man made it work. But the most heinous insertion of Venom <laughs> into a place where he didn't belong was into 2007's Spider-Man 3, which was not a film that was going to feature Venom in any way. It was going to be about the Sandman and Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin. That's what it was going to be about. And Avi Arad went, do Venom! Sam Raimi went, is that that guy you've been asking me to do since the first movie? And Avi Arad went, yes, do Venom! And he went, why? I don't care about Venom. (laughs) The reason the first two films worked and were, and again, need I remind everyone, Spider-Man 2 was one of the first films to break like the... Top, top opening weekend box office record at the time like and is still a critical darling as far as that film's concerned um he went the reason those films worked is because i was doing it about shit that i love and like i grew up with spidey in the 60s so that's why it's the green goblin that's why it's dr octopus that's why it's working because i give a fuck and it comes across on screen yeah and avi red went put venom in or you won't get to make the rest of this movie so i remember we went I guess I'm putting fucking Venom in the movie. Yeah. And then tried, tried to find something that would make him interested. And his take on it was having it so that the Venom symbiote alters someone's personality uh, almost immediately. Like In the comics, that, that's suggested that it makes people more aggressive, but it's more their own hubris and being a, being a dickhead that, and like feeling all-powerful. Whereas in this, it's like, no, it's aggressive and it's making whatever it's attached to aggressive. But isn't it weird how all of a sudden, three films in, like an alien life form just comes the fuck out of nowhere and that's like suddenly accepted now in this this world of Spider-Man. Oh, it's an alien on a meteor. Duh, don't ask questions. Here we go. It's a bit like, weird, yeah. And then the black suit story, he tries to make it something he'd be interested in. Peter being an arsehole and that version of Peter, that is exactly how he'd act if he was suddenly possessed to be a dickhead. Like that's what he would think would be cool and sexy and everything like of course it is he's a dork he's a massive dork and it's why that version works so well um and it leads to a great ending like the very end where peter and mj don't make up and they don't get back together but it implies that they're going to work at it and that's how the trilogy ends and it's like that's a really sweet note to end on that's really sweet problem is it meant we got dig that focus soul and we got Dang on this. And we got freaking Topher Grace doing as good a job as he could, but we got that version of Venom. That version of Venom. 
the marketing was full of black suit red versus red suit iconography and la 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 and that film is the weakest hands down out of those three it's it's nowhere near as good as the other two as much as it's trying to be it just isn't and that's known and it's obvious it is known at the time um there were stories that avi arad was looking to do a venom solo movie to follow up spider-man 3 yeah topher grace was in talks to be in it and anyone who has eyes was like yeah but he's dead (laughs) we saw him turn to flame and skeleton he is dead it's like, well, Venom is a popular character, so we want to use it. It's like, for fuck's sake, you don't care. You just want Venom to have a movie because you love him so goddamn much. Because he sold lunchboxes and made you a millionaire. That's why you love Venom. That Wait, is was, why you love him. Was that not clear? Was, was that not clear? Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man films are coming out and all the Sony emails leak and there's all this chatter about spin-offs from the Spidey series, including t- early talks about a Venom solo movie that would then lead to a crossover with the Spider-Man films. So even then they were like, well, Venom doesn't have to have anything to do with Spider-Man, like, but we'll bring them together eventually. He does though. He does have to, have to, have to... He's oh. literally Spider-Man's dark mirror. He's literally his 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 Dr. Jekyll to his Mr. Hyde to Spidey's Dr. Jekyll. He he's he's oh for fuck's sake, he works because he's Spidey's polar opposite. Put the put an image of Venom and Spider-Man next to each other as they look at the comics. Oh look, one of them is an evil version of the other one. Like that's ah. So he's always wanted this, and he got it in 2018. And he and Amy Pascal have been sidelining to try and use all their Spidey properties that they have legal access to to do all these side projects that sort of connect to the Marvel Cinematic Universe but aren't officially part of it but don't contradict it. Just in case one day maybe Marvel are like, hey, we like that Morbius picture you did. Let's work together with a Morbius film. Or, hey, do you want to use Spider-Man in your Venom sequel? It's like, nah, just stop. Please, please just stop, Avi Arad. Just, just, just. Yeah, I'm not do doing. This. I'm not joining in with the clicks this time because I want no, the else to come up. That's fine. I don't. I don't want this film. I'm morbidly curious as to why Circus said yes. Money as to why Circus said yes. Definitely money. And that's it. That's 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 the extent of like my thoughts on this trailer. So if anyone asks me about it, just. Uh, yeah. I think that's fair. Do you notice the uh, only in theatres being in the middle of the trailer? That was yeah. weird. That was weird, wasn't it? It's like, see the, they see the thrills, whatever. Only in theatres, like first caption on screen. Guess I'm going to have to go to the cinema to see Venom, Let There Be Carnage in September. Venom, they made another Venom. Venom, it's a different Venom. But this is a red Venom. Are they, are they going to do a sequel to that song? Is it I like- hope- I hope that Eminem doesn't do it, but they hand it off to, like... Because if Carnage is just a recycled, not-as-good version of Venom, or at least this Carnage looks like it's going to be like that. It's just yeah. going to be more Venom but red with spikier bits on yeah. They should do the same. So, white rapper, successful, good track record, Eminem, right? Releases... A pretty mediocre song called Venom to tie you, in with Venom. Are you saying the sequel to that song should be done by Riff Raff? No, I say the sequel. It should be. It should be even shitter. Oh, the sequel to this song should be done by Lil Dicky, <laughs> and it should be called like it should be called Let There Be Carnage. And he can he can he can come up with semi humorous rhymes about how his penis is small, and also Carnage <laughs> is a character in this film, and. <laughs> Here's a random guest hook from fucking Chris Brown. Because for some reason, Lil Dicky forgot that we all know he's a he's Oh, a, famous a domestic abuser. abuse to Chris Brown, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. I think that's what it should, I think that's where we should go with this. Uh sure. and then the, and the, the single cover should be should be obviously Lil Dicky doing that weird little like uh, vacant face he does with the little little penis <laughs> gesture face. that he always does in all the pictures. But he should have like red curly bits coming off the top of his hair. Like, oh, carnage! Carnage! Man, I've got a flamage. Carnage! Is he gonna do a is he gonna do a tie-in video like the one that Ice Cube did for Deep Blue Sea? <gasps> where he's turning Don't into you dare a, he's sully that into... beautiful beautiful piece of art. <laughs> he's turning into a. He's turned into a carnage like Ice Cube turned into a shark monster. Yeah, 
Yeah. Deepest, bluest, my hair is like a carnage. That's what oh, we can say. No! Um. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, I'm going to be a little bit sick in my mouth again. Um, I'd only just got over the trailer. Do, do you know what made me sick in my mouth today? I, I think I do, but please tell the audience. This morning, boys and girls, <laughs> I, I had a busy fucking day, and I woke up, and I checked my phone, and I was just... I was just just giving Matt a nudge, me like, we still go for tonight, what have you? And I just look at look at my look at my phone, and I've received several messages <laughs> from about an hour prior. Five past nine this morning. Mayhew let there be carnage Watson That's over me. there sent me several video clips of a movie called Cargo. <laughs> like Cargo, but with a capital G in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Matt. What were you watching this morning? So, I've mentioned before on this podcast the uh, the wonderful free streaming service that is Pluto.tv. Mm-hmm. So, I supported free streaming, and you can, there's on-demand stuff where you can just put a channel on. And the channels tend to be, like, one show on Constant Loop. Like, there's a Dog the Bounty Hunter channel. Or, like, one topic on Constant Loop. That's a paranormal channel, which is, like, ghost adventures and ghost hunters and haunting recreation shows and shit like that. There's a Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares channel, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and there's also movie channels. And there is a channel on this streaming service called The Asylum, mm-hmm. which is dedicated solely to a constant stream of movies by infamous, quote-unquote, mockbuster studio, The Asylum. So I just popped that on to see what crap was on there. I popped it on the other day and watched a bit of Titanic 2, um, <laughs> which is Bruce Davison of Senator Kelly fame fighting a giant iceberg. Um, <laughs> you think I'm making it up? I'm really not. Um, some of the talent you get for these movies is, is fucking wild. Um, but I... After catching a little bit of Oceans Rising in which the world is flooded and they have to do something at CERN to save the world or something. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I left the room, did something else, came back, and wouldn't you know, we had this animated movie started playing and the cast the cast started scrolling across the screen. I'm like, Melissa Joan Hart, all right, she's done plenty of weird straight video shit. Mostly Christian. Yeah. Uh, Haley Joel Osment. All right. Okay. Uh, Jason Muse. What? So. <sighs> so Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. The I see dead people kid and Nang. Uh, are talking cars. <laughs> oh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Mm. And <laughs> um, you want another horrifying premise of this movie? Please, this, because this, this movie... from the clips you sent me, all I could think of is it was some kind of satanic school for ritual sacrifice. I mean, this movie came out... At least that's out... what the music sounded like. Uh, so going off the, uh, the animation style, what yeah. year do you think this movie came out in? Right, so it's... The the cars are not even attempting to be legally distinct from the Pixar cars. No. Uh, that they, they, they look like like if you went into the Disney store and bought a playset of like 50 die-cast, you know, spinning wheels m- models of the cars characters and these were the characters you didn't know the names of but they're in the set. Like they look so much like a copy. So it has to be around the time of one of the cars films coming out for them to try and cash in. Okay. I'm going to say maybe Cars 2. So we're talking like, what, 2011, 2012, maybe. It doesn't look good enough for that time. But, like, that's the kind of... That's where I'm thinking it might have come out. This movie came out in 2017. No! (laughs) No! It looks like a fucking... It was a cash-in for number three. It looks like a PS2 game cutscene. Like, oh my god, don't really, insult the PS2. Like, it's really, really poor, blocky, mm. like, poor animation, CGI. Like, there's one moment where the main character crashes through a billboard and it's just hilariously bad chunks of rubble <laughs> which do not animate, like, anything other than just 
polystyrene chunks. Who, who's our main character? Is it Haley Joel Osment? Haley Joel Osment as Danny. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Uh, so the the hmm the. Fucking hell. Sora, uh, they've trapped you on the body of a talking car. <laughs> this, this, um, the, the synopsis is, a young car learns the importance of family when he embarks on a mission to rescue his father, who's been sent to Clunker Island to be repurposed as junk metal. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, this so, movie... I'm sorry, what... This movie, the fuck? This movie also stars Jason Mewes as Vin. Melissa Joan Hart. Made as, from a taxi side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart as Cabigail. She's got lips. Portia Williams as Carlotta. I mean, I'm sorry, but you should have just called the character Portia. <laughs> that would have been fine. That would have worked. <laughs> Phil Lamar plays a character called Fred Copcar. Oh, <laughs> Even even the finest voice actors occasionally are given like, <sighs> I've got something for you on Friday. Great, what is it? Oh, literally, you'll be in for an hour. You'll do like 10 lines, they're paying you 4,000 bucks. Great, sure, what is it? You're playing Cop Car. Sure. All right. Cop Car. I'm Green, La- I'm green Lantern, but fuck it. Go on, let's go. Yeah, man, fucking, yeah, for Lamar and Maurice LaMarche are both in oh, this. Oh, Maurice LaMarche, bless you. I and hope both of you bought really nice dinners with the money you got for this. And let us also not forget Ed Asner. Who's That's playing, what got me. Who's playing Art, who is uh, Danny's dad. Um, you texted me and said, I nearly stuck this out all the way, but then I had to leave as soon as Ed Asner's musical number began. Oh, yeah. This movie opens with like the cars singing about the city of Cargo. Where the road, some was that what they were doing? And some roads I thought, go down. I thought someone had turned the the microphone on at a primary school's choir rehearsal. Yeah, it's really it bad. sounds awful. It's really bad. And then I, I sent you a oh. bit of a classroom scene with Jason yeah. Mewes' character egging on the main the main character, and then I sent you some of Jason Mewes rapping. <laughs> yeah. And it was like one of those uh, educational videos for kids that they show in schools with really, really poor raps where it's like, let's talk about drugs and sex. Don't do those or you'll be in jail. Um, <laughs> my name it, is Blah and I'm here to say like that level of, <laughs> oh my God. And I've got to give him credit in the clip she sent me, Muse sounded the most infused. Like he was I mean, going for it. He was like, "Sure, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this work as best as I can." I mean, it's either it's either this, or I have to go do another one of those movies for that fucking hat, Kevin Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Kev. We love you, but don't do NFTs. Um, yeah, Jesus, please don't. Yeah, don't do please. NFTs. Um, please, just just fucking distribute it yourself. It's just better for everybody, for Christ's just, sake. Just don't, don't do NFTs. Um, I mean, what we can just do anyway, uh, and. Yeah, something, just, something, something, Dogecoin, something, something. Sorry, carry There on. is, yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking the main ca- kid car is doing something, you know, that he shouldn't be doing and goes home early and his dad gives him a stern talking to him and then his dad starts singing about what you do when you've got a son who is a car, who is a chip off the old block. Um, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't listen to Ed Asner sing, sing this song. And I was like 10 minutes in. Ed Asner like, is... Many things, most of them wonderful, but I don't want to hear the old grumpy fucker from Up singing. <laughs> like, and that's the most baffling thing about the casting of Ed Asner. It's so blatantly the asylum going, well, if we get someone who's in a Pixar movie, yeah, then people will be like, oh, maybe this is a Pixar movie. Uh, that well, that's mm. Asylum's fucking mo. They take oh. a film and they give it a suspiciously similar title to something that's out, or a sequel, or make it like it's a sequel to something that's out. And they will occasionally get like one or two like mid-level names to put on the box who tend to want to be in it for about five minutes, and they're and that's then they pump those out. Unfortunately, <clears> them, Lance Henriksen hasn't done a Pixar movie yet. So. No. He must have done an Asylum movie, though. I'm going to have to do some research. Um, I'm surprised that Cage hasn't done one yet. Because Nick Cage does, like, ten films a year, pretty much. I mean, he might have done. 
And sometimes they're blockbusters, like stuff people, you know, see his name on in the in the trailer in the cinema and go, oh shit, I love Nick Cage. And like 70% of the stuff he makes each year is stuff that goes straight to DVD. And yet it seems to be completely, it doesn't damage his career in any way. Mm. Like it's sort of just seen as, sure. And the real reason he's doing it is because he is in debt a lot. Like he's in a <laughs> shit ton of debt. So he's just making everything that comes across his agent's desk, basically. He is not a man who makes sensible spending decisions. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> the, um, dude, the dude had a barely secured copy of Action Comics number one in a house in Bath, England, and it got stolen by someone who just literally broke in, knew where it was, grabbed it and left. It's a horrible dude lost thing. Superman's first appearance. That alone would have been worth more than any movie paycheck he's ever been given. Yeah. Like, yeah. the fuck, Nick? Come on. Um, by the way, if you want to come on the podcast anytime, Nick Cage, we would love to have you on. I mean, um, I don't think he, I don't think we can afford him. I know he's I mean, cheap, but I don't think he's that cheap. We'll just pretend that we're doing a straight-to-DVD movie about a knight who kills a witch or some shit. We'll just say, you know what, we'll let you get shot in the eye, because I know you wanted to do it on that last movie you did, and he wouldn't let you do it, so we'll let you get shot in the eye on this one. <laughs> Look, we know that you want to do a movie where you don't have to learn any lines, but you can drink a load of beer and look cool, alright? We don't have that yet, but I guess we've got this leftover Five Nights at Freddy's script. <laughs> so if we, so we kind of tool that, and then just put you in it, you could be like a caretaker and you punch animatronic stoats or whatever i've got to i've got to track that down i i've heard things uh yes so i hear i hear you've heard, heard things. things i've heard things um but yeah after i <laughs> after i subjected you to the torture of cargo i decided to go to amazon prime and i watched three horror classics uh on the trot <laughs> That I uh, have been on my watch list for a while because they just got on Prime. I did a David Cronenberg double bill of Scanners and The Brood. And okay, and that was then, to cleanse your palate. Yeah, and then I decided to hit up the uh, early eighties um, sort of monster movie in New York, Chud. Do you mean or cannibal. cannibalistic humanoid <laughs> underground dwellers? Um, Fuck yeah. <laughs> or the other movie with John Hurd and Daniel Stern. Um, <laughs> so, and let me tell you, those are all pretty good. <laughs> I think Scanners is probably the one that's aged the best. Um, yeah. Although there's really interesting stuff in all of them. Chud is actually pretty interesting in the way that it's like, got a bunch of like sympathetically portrayed like street people. In early 80s New York. Streeple. Yes. Um, like, it doesn't sort of, like, make out that people who live rough are bums and, like, all awful people. Um, and it has, like, an ex-convict who is... Ref like, the Daniel Stern character is an ex-convict who's reformed and, like, runs a soup kitchen for them. Yeah. And, like, who the... Like, there's a police character who's initially suspicious of him but then teams up with him and, like, they sort of become this odd couple friend group and then the John Hurd character his his wife is a model he's a photographer and uh, she finds out she's pregnant and they have the whole conversation and he's like and she's like well what do you want me to do with it and he's like well it's your decision and I'll support whatever you do because you know it's not just it's not about whether I want it it's about whether you want it. and I'm like oh this when did this movie come out this is strangely forward facing um uh, so yeah, Chud's pretty good. Uh, Chud is pretty good. <laughs> um, and yeah, Shivers is not Shivers. Not that. Um, that's a different David Cronenberg movie. Uh, the Brood has got some. I mean, The Brood and Scanners have both got some just incredible body horror in them because they're David Cronenberg films. Uh, the Brood has got uh, it's got Oliver Reed in it, so you should watch it just for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. should watch it just for that. And and Scanners has got Michael Ironside in it, so you should watch it just for that. And Patrick McGowan. So you should watch it just for that. 
And that and one, dude's and head explodes. Fi- uh, yeah, one of the finest practical explosions in all of cinema. Yeah. And that's like <laughs> in the first 15 minutes of the movie. So that movie starts strong. Um, and God, that effect still holds up. It's a great scene. Um, yeah, fucking Michael Ironside, man. So yeah, I, I cleared my palette of cargo with a triple feature. Um, but yeah. I think we should we should do some Cronenberg stuff in the future. We should do a Cronenberg we deep should. dive, maybe. Um, speaking of, you, you, of, once upon a time, you told me about the Fly Two, which I know is not strictly Cronenberg, but like I've been not. dying to get around to it. As a result, um, yeah, the Fly Two is actually actually pretty good. I mean, you want to see Eric Stoltz in some weird makeup? We can we can make that happen for you. <laughs> you want to see some? You uh, did you know Mel Brooks was a producer on the Fly? I did. Like Mel yeah, Brooks was he, like he went, super. He went, he went uncredited because he didn't want people to get the wrong idea with his name yeah. being attached. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I first saw that, I was like, that's fucking nuts. But also a really sensible decision on Mel Brooks's part. Like, if my name's on the poster, people are going to go, oh, it's a comedy. So keep my name off of the poster. And it's like, that's a really good call. Uh, speaking of, um, got a couple of reviews in for Cargo. Uh, Daniel Stride Vlogs has said uh, in response to a tweet I put out that it's interesting. And Tony Addis has said, damn it, I'm late. Why does Venom sound like Cookie Monster? <laughs> oh, wait, no, sorry. Their response is to the Venom trailer. Sorry, I just wanted to... <laughs> didn't want to. I didn't want to confuse anyone there. Thank you for sending those in, lads. But if we could next have your review about uh, about Chud or Cargo. Ooh. Oh, this one That'd comes be in. Great. This, this one comes in from Kneecap Dan about Venom. Ah, too. yeah. Uh, he says, so I'll, I would do, do I'll it. have to email again soon as it's been a while, but he has to give his thoughts on Venom 2. One word, cinema. This is what the Venom <laughs> was made for. The Magnum is that, Opus. Is Mitchell's versus the Machines reference? The Magnum <laughs> Opus is here. <laughs> Seriously, though, the pro tag and antag seem to be in two completely different films that have been thrust together, and the result, yeah. the result looks like a blast when drunk. First reaction was audibly saying, for fuck's sake, with a big smile, which sums it up. Which is kind of similar to my reaction. I was just like, oh, I guess they're doing this. We're doing this again. Um, uh, but yes. Knee, kneecap down, that's a pretty good summation, I think. That's, um, yeah. We also got a slightly unrelated email in. Oh, a completely unrelated email in, but I, I want to read it before we go because I think it opens up something for the future. Uh, and this yeah. one is from uh, series regular James. And James says... Hey, James. He says, hello there, Chris and Matt. The Bad Batch have arrived. Mm. Are you watching the show? How are you both doing with the Clone Wars? Could we get a discussion about Star Wars animation at some point in the future? Chris? Yes? Could we get a discussion about Star Wars animation at some point in the future? You know, it's almost as if organically a format change is approaching sooner <laughs> rather than later, which would greatly facilitate such a project. Yeah, that would be, that um, would be, that would be yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, I'm, I've, not, I've not watched any Bad Batch yet. I've not watched Bad Batch because I'm working my way through Clone Wars. I am currently in season three of the Clone Wars. I'm just literally Same. watching it. In, I'm watching it in sort of like spurts where I'll go on go a couple of weeks. I'll go a couple of weeks without watching it, and then I'll watch like four episodes in one That's go. That's me. Then, yeah. That's what I'm doing yeah. too. So I've just done. <laughs> I've just finished the Mortis arc. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I'm, uh, the Clone Wars gets pretty good from season two onwards. Season one's a yeah. bit. Uh, season one also, is season one is very much. This short for twenty minute animated thing has been included in a DVD with your breakfast cereal. Yeah, like every episode's kind of like that, and it, it's sort of it's just it's it's a little visual thing, and it's kind of cool, and it's got a bit of lore, and you're surprised with the amount of death that occurs in it. Yeah, but um, it's aside from that, it's it's not that special. And then series two, hello, when they start experimenting with story arcs and and really going into the politics, like the political stuff's been the most intriguing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the way they There's... do the politics has been, like, really mature for a kid's TV series. There's a really great podcast, a rewatch, is a rewatch podcast for The Clone Wars called yeah. uh, A More Civilized Age. Ah, it's, that's fa- a great name. It's, it's fairly young. They're mm. only, like, they only do episodes every two weeks, and they only do, like, two or three episodes per episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they start with the two prequel movies, mm-hmm. then go into the Clone Wars series... Makes sense. And then, but yeah. then they took a pause after they got a few a few episodes into the series. One of them were like, 
No, I think we have to do Revenge of the Sith before we carry on with this. <laughs> okay. And because, and like, the idea was to initially do all of the Clone Wars and then Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. But <clears throat> there's so much of the Clone Wars show that kind of hinges on you having seen Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, in terms of like, like a, lot dramatic... of du- a lot of the Dooku stuff sort of yeah. hits heavier when you know where he's going in terms of his, yeah, exactly. His in- so they decided that they eventual end. They had to do that. But if you want to get deep in on Star Wars animation, that's a that's a really good show uh, to a more to sort civilized of, age. A more civilized age. Um, <laughs> which I, John which, uh, <laughs> Yes. Well, funny enough, you said. Uh, but um, <laughs> but yeah, that's worth going. On. But yeah, I think we will we will absolutely talk about Star Wars discussion. Talk about Star Wars discussion. Discuss Star Wars animation. Uh, uh, more than one point in the not too distant future. Um, and of course, we've got to cover the, the cover the the tale of uh, the faithful Wookiee um, and droids. <laughs> Let us not forget droids. James goes on to say, "Oh God, do we have to do droids? I'm up for that. We have Fuck to do it. Dro- I mean, we don't that. have to do droids, but." We should do droids. They've put so um, much of it on Disney Plus now, we have no excuse. Yes. Um, I was recently watching Philip Hinchcliffe's interview from last year's season 14 collection box set. At least you got one. Uh, in the Ladies interview... and gentlemen, Matt and Chris are about to reluctantly answer a Doctor Who question. Yes, Here we, we are. Hmm. Uh, it's a return of uh, Chris and Matt to life on Doctor Who fans reluctantly answer Doctor Who questions. Uh, in the interview, we talked about Robert Holmes' original plan for talons. Do you mean Robert Holmes? Robert Holmes. Uh, <laughs> Robert Om. Uh, Robert Mensch. Uh, <laughs> Robert he said Mensch. That Holmes had originally planned for the character that became Magnus Greel to be the master. I now can't unsee this. Time cabinet is TARDIS, melty face, sewer lair, size changing technology, looking to rejuvenate himself, cunning disguise as Weng Chiang. How do you boys think the story would have been much different, if at all, if Hinchcliffe hadn't told Holmes to remove the master? Keep on being the biggest, damnest, and castest pot around from a decayed boy just trying to gain a new body at last. <laughs> uh, I mean, James. Um, I think Thanks, the only main di- I think the only real difference you would have had, mm. apart from the obvious differences in dialogue, would be that he would escape at the end. Yeah, like yeah, and, and, and maybe he who's who's your man now? Uh, incredibly racist decision. Um, oh, um, the yellow face stuff with uh, Lee Sen Chang, uh, Michael Wisher. What they probably would have I done? Say. I was, I don't think it's Michael Wisher. No, it's not Michael Wisher. It's the guy who plays. Um, it's the guy who also plays uh, the racist yellow faced Tibetan monk in Planet of the Spiders. Uh, and no, that no. Hang on, is it? I think so. No, it's not him. No, no, he's uh, he's someone else. That's uh, that. No, he's um, the Sontarans. That guy. Oh, Kevin Lindsay. Yeah, uh, I think. Oh God. <laughs> God oh I'm God, no. We have to look it up. But you know, uh, you know, yeah. what, you know who I mean. What's what's the character's name? Lee Sen Chang. Lee Sen Chang. That's it. So Lee Sen Chang. If it had been the Master's Magnus Greel, I think Lee Sen Chang probably would have been more of a pawn. Like, way more of a pawn. John Bennett. John Bennett, that's the uh, one. Who is in a bunch of Doctor Who. Let me see what other Doctor Who he's in while you're talking. That's right, but I think he would have been more of a pawn. And I think the stuff where people have been hypnotised probably would have been, had them be taken downstairs. And then they would have been had the whammy put on them. Because obviously we know that the Master can do that. So that's probably the only yeah. changes, really. Like, he would have gotten away at the end and the Master would have been the one doing the... Uh, doing the hypnosis and apart from that it probably would have been pretty much the same i guess yeah i, I, I is, like to think it would have been would it have been ping pong ball eyes master or islands mm. master <laughs> well oh he's a uh, general finished invasion of the dinosaurs that's the other doctor who ah there it is um, there it is <clears throat> yeah I, unfortunately it would still have a bunch of yellow face in it is, yeah. is the main thing because of the time at which it was made mm. um because that sucks. Uh, but yeah. would it have been better? I don't know. I like Magnus Greel as a villain. Um, it's always... I, I, st- I still like the Tons of Wang Chang a lot. Right? It, yeah, yeah. It is greatly flawed in one very big respect. Yeah. Um, so you'd never catch me fucking screening it or recommending it to people, but... Oh, at least really not without story. a massive caveat. 
Yeah, the massive. <laughs> just before we start. Just before. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great story, but um, massively racist uh, depiction of uh, race. Funnily enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> massively ra- racist, just racist depiction of dishwasher soap. Yeah. Dishwasher soap. It's really strange. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I think this, I, I'd be interested to have a look at Doctor Who stories through that lens of like, oh, was this originally another villain in an earlier draft? Yeah. Like, I, there's definitely elements of that in New Who, because I think there's a couple, of, a couple of things where it's like, oh, this could easily have been a yeah. Cyberman or a Dalek or, well, in, infamously, the Tocklethane were left over from what they would have used instead of the Daleks for season one if they couldn't get the rights of termination. You saw, you saw it turn um, into a Dalek there, as you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> if they couldn't get their rights from I, termination I, I, I was, estate. I started that sentence without realising how I was going to phrase it. Um, no. So it kind of got so, away from me. So, yeah, it got away um, from me, yeah. Or am I making that uh, up? That is right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Tocklefane were uh, yeah. the stand-in. It was, they, 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 uh, Rob Sherman and Russell C. Davis crafted Dalek around a Dalek. Yeah. But just in case there was also an alternate version that they wrote that would have then also led into the finale. Um, Because they published it in DWM a few years back, like a couple of pages from the alternate script. Um, Oh, okay. And Russell somewhere did a sketch of the Ninth Doctor with a Tocklefane. Yeah. um, Which ended up looking incredibly like how they looked in Series 3. Well, Um, if you've got the idea, then you've got a couple of years to sit on it. I imagine it uh, it would stay pretty much the same. But yeah, um, that's an interesting way to look at Doctor Who stories. Mm. And yes, uh, Star Wars animation. We should do some Star Wars animation soon. We will do we'll that. Look into that one. Look um, into that one. We will look into many things in the like future. Like shoes and ships and ceiling wets. Under cabbages and kegs. Have you been watching Alan Partridge this time? No, I don't watch television, Christopher. Neither do I. I, I watch it on iPlayer. But that being said... Inside of Manan starts in 15 minutes, so I might go watch it go out loud. Oh, yeah, quick. You yeah. can just go watch it. Let's wrap up this podcast so you can go watch it. Here on the past. Um, thanks for listening, folks. Contact details were earlier in the episode. If you missed them, tough. Um, but best place to hit us up is at Big Dab Cast on Twitter. And of course, every Friday night around 7.30, twitch.tv. Slash big damn stream. You can gaze at Matt's beautiful visage as he occasionally goes, fuck's sake, what's playing <laughs> Super Star Wars? Um, <laughs> under such games. That was a scarily, scarily accurate de- description just... of our channel. Um, Womp Rats, a little bastard, I tell you. Oh, um, Womp Rats, man. <laughs> fucking Womp Rats. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week talking about, I oh, don't fucking know, something, uh, I, don't know, I something, imagine. Something. Parent. But until then, let's leave you with uh, a cargo style rap um uh, uh, my name is, is Matt and I'm here to say this podcast's over let's say good day. I've oh, got some wheels on a few old tanks and if yeah. you give me that lit I'll give you a spank uh, uh, uh. take it to the chorus <laughs> take it to the cargo brick um <laughs> bye <laughs> <laughs>